What if we could reimagine the traditional notion of a high flyer? Hey friends, welcome back. Welcome to the High Flyers podcast, where we do reimagine a high flyer, showcase relatable role models and their journey in work and life, including their sunrise, magic moments, hustle, and much, much more to help you achieve your potential, become your best self, and continue to be 1% better every single day. I'm your host, Viri Tagawal, and let's get started. Like one of the challenges athletes face is you go from being really, really good at something to then when you're thinking about starting your career at 30, you're like, everybody else is 10 years ahead of me. So I'm not even just bad at this thing. I'm actually like 10 years behind everybody else. And like the identity challenge there from being super, super good at something to being like... I think the biggest thing sometimes is if you don't know what to do, you don't know where to focus your energy. And then, so a lot of players or athletes go on that process of finding what do I want to do. That's Josh Thomas and Christy Jenkins. And in this episode, explore your curiosity about professional athlete transitions into the business world with very raw insights and how Christy, Josh, and nearly 100 of Australia's best and brightest athletes across all sporting codes have created an investing syndicate in athletic ventures. Learn about Josh's career in the AFL and Christy having played three sports in trampoline, beach volleyball, and CrossFit, when and how they started planning life for sport and first interaction with startups and venture capital. I asked them about how Athletic Ventures was formed, how should founders look at AV for investment, and their unique value add. Please enjoy. Christy Jenkins, Josh Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Philip. Good to be here. Excited to do this. We haven't had someone from the athlete world transition into VC, so really excited to share this with our listeners. And, and Matt DeBoer, who introduced us, speaks, speaks highly of both of you, so keen to give some perspective. Maybe a good place to start is why don't we talk through your sporting life first. Um, Josh, if you want to get us going, do you want to tell us what you were doing in the sporting world? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess, yeah, high-level overview is I played – about I think it was 12 years at at Collingwood in the AFL Um, got drafted six weeks after my 18th birthday to Collingwood spent my whole career there Um, originally I was from Brisbane uh, and ended up uh, finishing up uh, at the end of last year so I'm sort of in the middle of transitioning out of being a full-time athlete virtually for my uh, entire adult life Um, yeah played I think 123 games at Collingwood so had a pretty modest career but um, it was highly enjoyable and sort of feel very lucky to have, to have played for so long. And um, yeah, and now I'm on sort of my, my next journey into the investing slash venture capital world. Yeah, we've got a lot of Melbourne listeners. So I'm sure they'll appreciate the Collingwood connection. I'm personally a Hawthorne supporter, but Collingwood's, <laughs> Collingwood's okay. And Christy, what about yourself? Um, so I've actually done three sports and kicked off my career in trampolining. Started when I was five, did that for 17 years was Australian champion about 12 years in a row, top 10 in the world for a long time. And, you know, after I finished that, probably Josh can sympathise here, like deciding to retire as an athlete is like very difficult. So I was like, I'm just going to fill the void with another sport and jumped straight into beach volleyball and also picked up CrossFit as well. So have been to the CrossFit Games, represented CrossFit Athletic there. Um we came 11th in the world for that. And then I've also played beach volleyball for the last decade where it's a little bit like the tennis world tour. Like I've been very lucky to travel all over the world and play 
the world tour for beach volleyball and um, represent Australia doing that. So still doing that. Very cool. A lot of diversity there, Christy, in your journey, which we'll touch on that continues. Ed Cowan, who was in the podcast in episode 56, the former Australian cricket player, talked about how a lot of athletes often don't think about their life post-sport while they're playing because such a consuming lifestyle. Did you Do you remember the, the first time you started thinking about life after sport or came across other industries within sport? Christy, would you like to start? Yeah, I think, I don't know if this is lucky or not, but none of the sports I've played actually pay any money. Um, mm. Like I would have loved to be a professional athlete and get paid to do what I do. But unfortunately, like for many athletes and many sports and particularly female athletes, like that is not the case. So I have always, you know, studied or worked alongside my sport and had to juggle both. So yeah, I have a degree in economics. I came straight out of uni and went into roles in like strategy and management consulting. And, you know, I was fortunate to A, find what I love doing straight off the bat, but also like work for some amazing managers who, you know, gave me the flexibility to also play sport, you know, take large chunks of time off work, um, you know, and eventually I ended up doing a lot of freelance work in that space, which gave me the flexibility to, you know, go and spend six months in California or six months in Europe playing. So I've always had to think about my career on top of sport and I've always, you know, had to optimise for like, can I find a career that has both enough flexibility and enough money to allow me to play sport at an elite level as well. What about yourself, Josh? Um, yeah, I guess from an AFL point of view, we're, we're obviously very lucky that, you know, it's a professional job and you can earn a, a good living. But um, I guess at the same time, it does can lure you into a false sense of security. And I, I've always said that I think the money in AFL is, is almost an awkward level where people, you know, obviously players earn a lot, uh, like more than enough to earn a comfortable living. But it's not, it's not enough like the NFL or the NBA where theoretically you could literally retire at 30 and never work a day if you chose, if that's what you wanted to do. Um, and so you do see, uh, I guess, the, the trap of, of um, you know, playing for 10 years and um, coming to the end and then, and then thinking, you know, wow, you know, what do I do? And there's a bit of a mad panic and, you know, it's well documented that transition is, yeah, can be and, and is, is quite challenging. Um, but yeah, for me, I guess I, I was lucky in some ways to be thinking about it relatively early studied had done work like internships and work experience and tried to always do something on my day off that would that would prepare me for um time after sport so yeah it, it's a challenge and it's um it's, there's no easy fix i don't think but um i guess in in, in my case I'm, I'm somewhat lucky to to have known what i wanted to do pretty early and then, and then i was able to sort of work towards it Another aspect of that that would be good to touch on is routines and how you balance it. Like I mentioned Ed earlier, Steve Solomon has also been on the podcast and then speaking to a few others outside of the podcast. They talked about the fact that in certain sports, I know in AFL, cricket, some of the bigger sports, you get a lot of coaching, education, support. You get sent to classes. You can do some study on the side. But as Christy mentioned earlier and Josh as well, your focus is sport. That's what you have played for so long often from your teenage years and you want to succeed and be the best at it right how did you balance that between saying okay i'm gonna because it's kind of like almost delusionally you've got to believe that you're going to be the best athlete you can be and and crack that um commercial percentage as well and get sponsorships so was there a point where you were playing sport and you realized you know what 
this is something not long-term that I can do and I can't be the best or can't be the most recognizable brand here. I need to spend time learning about the industry or spend time studying. And, and how did you manage that? Like, did you study, did you work all day in the sporting field and then study in the evenings? Was, was there a routine there that you can touch on, Christy, if you want to start? Yeah, I think I probably live my life maybe in sprints if we're going to bring in the agile methodology here. So, you know, I would be like the best players in the world in beach volleyball are not based in Australia, like many of them are in California or Brazil or Europe. So I was like, I need to spend time playing with the best players in the world. And so I'd be like, okay, how can I spend four, five, six, eight months a year overseas there? And if I'm doing that, probably I'm not going to be working at that time. And then it was like, okay, when you're back in Australia, like you've got to optimize for like making money and having a career in, you know, the six months that you're here. So I don't have so much as a routine as like, I just have chunks of my year carved out where the extreme focus is on sport or the extreme focus is on like career. Um, and I probably have very, a lot of very patient friends who, you know, when you're trying to juggle both of those at the same time, friend friendships and social life is probably the thing that drops off the agenda the most often. So a thank you to my patient friends there too. What about you, Josh? What was your learning journey like while you were playing AFL, which can be an all-consuming sport? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like like most kids, they come into the, to the system at sort of, you know, 18, eyes wide open, thinking, you know, that that's all they've dreamed of is probably playing, playing AFL and that's all they have thought about largely. And um, it is all-consuming. So you, you sort of just dropped in the deep end in a professional environment straight away and it's going to be quite overwhelming but but i think again like pretty lucky these days the afl players association has done a, a great job of of working with clubs and um, putting in certain sort of i guess guardrails around the schedule um and then you know they've got education grants and there's, there's a lot of um i guess information education and um assistance for players these days um so when they can't come in i guess there is a process there's, there's a dedicated player welfare manager player development manager at, at, at every club so again very lucky like i think i think that the the system is there or the i guess the um the help is there if the player wants to go on to seek it but it can be challenging because as you said i guess it's all you've ever dreamed of it can be all consuming and um i think that the beauty of it is finding something off field or away from sport can actually enhance um I guess mm. your, your longevity in the game because you don't have all your eggs in one basket and inevitably when things, you know, go badly, you start playing poorly, team starts losing, you get injured. To have some diversity away from my whole identity is tied up in, in sport is, is actually a super valuable um, thing. So, so I actually think it, it, the, the two can coexist um, quite easily. It's, um, you make it like an awesome point, Josh. I think like one of the challenges athletes face is, you go from being really, really good at something to then when you're thinking about starting your career at 30, you're like, mm. everybody else is 10 years ahead of me. So I'm not even just bad at this thing. I'm actually like 10 years behind everybody else. And like the identity challenge there from being super, super good at something to being like, crap, I'm awful at this. I'm right at the beginning is pretty tough for athletes as well. From what do you know now? Like if you could go back five years to when you were playing sport, would you do anything differently when it comes to that learning journey around education and being more intentional? Josh, should we start with you? Um, 
I mean, you'd always probably do some things different, but I think generally I'm happy with how I approached sort of the last five, six years of my career. Um, I was very conscious of putting in um, the time away from from um, from playing. And, and, and as I said, I, I think the biggest thing sometimes is if you don't know what to do, you don't know where to focus your energy. And then so a lot of players or athletes go on that process of finding what do I want to do. And in my, my instance, I was just lucky that I found that pretty early and then I could just dedicate the energy at effectively just point the fire hose at that um, pursuit. Um, and, yeah, and that can be challenging because if you are playing sport um, and you, that's all you know, it, it it's sometimes can be hard to be like, what do I want to do that is obviously going to look completely different to, to being a professional athlete. So, um, yeah, I guess looking back, I wouldn't change too many things, but... Um, yeah, I guess that that's in large part because I figured out what I wanted to do early on. And Christy, yours is, I'm just looking at your LinkedIn profile, it's sort of like you, and I know we spoke about this leading up to the episode, you, you were kind of living a dual life. You were playing sport, but then you were also working. You worked at ANZ, you worked at Combank, you worked at a few other, Booper, a few other brands. Was that something that you're, has now put you in a good playing field when you now that you're a Blackbird and we'll talk about VC shortly? Like, would you do anything differently if you think back five years? I mean, I'm just so in love with the startup and the entrepreneurship space. So I just, you know, wish I had explored that option earlier in my career. And, you know, I've had a bit of a career change to go from like management consulting and strategy into venture capital. And I mean, I didn't even know that startups were a thing when I was Mm. at uni. Like I didn't even consider that as a career choice. And I'm so happy that I found it now. One of the things I struggled with you know, through my career and like thinking about what am I going to do post-sport is you get so much emotional fulfillment from sport. So, you know, imagine like walking out onto centre court, thousands of people like screaming your name, cheering you on, having to be in the zone. Like where do you feel that type of pressure in a career? Or like where do you feel that super close bond that you have with your teammates or your partner in a career. Um, so I've spent a lot of time like searching for like, where can I find that emotional fulfillment in a job that has come from sport because sport is not going to last forever for us. That's probably my next question is when did you first come across the world of VC and startups? Josh, do you remember that moment? It was interesting. So I was, I was always pursuing the investing space. I was doing finance and accounting at uni and, you know, I was investing my own money in the public markets and was sort of very, interested in that path post uh, post playing um and i sort of knew that you know this venture capital startup world existed but i think like many um in australia you know it, it was sort of like a bit of a black box you didn't really wasn't really a mainstream sort of um i guess area and you know obviously getting access into those deals was seemed impossible and it just seemed to happen over in the um over in the corner there and, and I didn't really honestly pay that much attention to it. Um, and then I guess, yeah, once we sort of, um, which we'll probably chat about a bit later, formed um, Athletic Ventures, which 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 um, was sort of founded by Matt DeBoer about two, two and a half years ago. Um, and we did our first sort of investment as an athlete syndicate. That was really my first intro into that, that world. Um, I guess despite being pretty close to it, being you know investing in public markets and doing internships at listed funds and all that stuff but yeah I I truthfully wasn't that across it until probably about two two and a half years ago 
We'll definitely touch on athletic shortly. Christy, what about yourself? Like, given particularly you're working at in corporate Australia, do you recall when you first came across VC and startups? Yeah, it was actually a friend of mine. Um, and I was actively having conversations about what did I want to do next in my career? And I knew I didn't want to stay in like consulting forever and just had no idea what else to do. So I was just talking to everyone about that. And a friend of mine just said, oh, well, have you considered startups? Maybe you should do this program called Antler. And Antler mm-hmm. is essentially a, an accelerator program where they take people from more traditional backgrounds, like it's three months, full-time, face-to-face, and they teach you how startups work. They say, find a co-founder within the cohort and, you know, develop an idea and pitch it for funding at the end. So I was just like, cool, quit my job, signed up for this, you know, got into it and spent three months just like immersed in like thinking about becoming a founder actually. And what I realized at the end of the three months is like, actually, I probably don't make a great founder. Um, but I had just loved spending time helping everybody else in that program with their ideas. And I was like, what is that as a career? And the answer is investing and VC investing. So that's where I made that sort of that pivot in focus there. But a big shout out to my friend who first suggested it because like Josh, I just felt that startups were like this black box and, you know, this bubble over there that I just had zero, zero idea what happened there. Definitely a case of you don't know what you don't know. And the word I heard the other day was like cottage industry when people refer to VC and it's sort of growing, but it's still a cottage industry in some format where it's sort of hidden away from the mainstream or it's increasingly becoming mainstream. Josh, you touched earlier on doing internships and, and, and your association with Matt and Athletic Ventures. Was that a conscious decision, particularly because you went to the US as well recently and did an internship in Boston? Can you can you unpack that around what was your thinking there about and, and what did you want to learn about? Like how did you, I guess, how did you establish what you needed to learn to build your own mental models about VC? Yeah, well, I mean, as I said, I, I would, so my internship, my sort of formal internships experience as I, when I was playing was, was at, um, was at a fund called River Capital in Melbourne, which is a, which is a really top tier listed fund manager, um, and was lucky enough to spend, um, quite a bit of time there, um, learning. And, and as I said, that's where I was sort of directing my, I guess, um, energy for my post football career. Um, I think then when, AV form that was super organic. Literally, an opportunity came up that that Matt um, had had. He, he he was probably on a similar path to um, to Christy and I in the sense um, that he was sort of interested in investing and but more in the VC startup um, area. And 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 he he um, had got an opportunity to get into a to a startup called Eucalyptus. Um, uh, but to make it stack up, obviously, Matt couldn't do the deal himself. So he syndicated a group of about 15-ish athletes together um, and, and we went into the Eucalyptus Series A. And so that was my first foray into startups, really. And um, But I really probably maybe similar to Christy, once I found that and started looking at, at it more, I was just like, wow, how, how have I not found this earlier? This is It really drew me in. And everything from there with AV has been really organic. It's just grown and grown. And my interest has grown and grown as you discover and learn more um, from a pretty cold start. Um, and obviously a very natural, I guess, pivot for me, given that, you know, I was already very interested in the investing space, albeit there is there are differences. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a lot of experience there with AV over the last two years, like investing our own money and 
meeting lots of amazing founders, meeting just heaps of people in the industry and just learning. Um, and and there, probably what I'd say is, is there's no replacement for just doing like like um, startups and investing in VC, whatever whatever you want to call it, is is like just it's really just like a lot of pattern recognition, getting a lot of reps in. There's just no textbook. There's no like reading is obviously super valuable and there's so much information out there now. But yeah, I guess you just have to do it to 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 make mistakes and and, and see, and then analyze what you know what went wrong there or what went right there, and, and and just build up really like a big database of um of sort of information that and and get good at it over time. So you've yeah, been lucky to really, um, as I said, went to Boston for three months there, and again very similar, just just getting more hands on experience, seeing seeing people that have been doing it for for a long time and just immersing myself as much as I can in the industry. And Christy, on your learning journey, you mentioned earlier about Antler and then after that you joined Startmate, Startmate, which we all know is an awesome community and you joined there as a fellow in, in late 2020. Can you talk us through that in terms of a similar question to Josh, like your learning journey and, and what was your mental models in terms of did you know what things you want to learn, particularly because you mentioned earlier founder maybe was not a part for you? Yeah, I think... One of my lessons from sport was like, if you want to get good at a sport, and now I've had a practice in doing that in a couple of sports, you know, you kind of need three ingredients, right? You need an amazing coach, you need a hectic work ethic, and you need to surround yourself with people that are better than you at what you want to do. So the the reason I joined Startmate and why that's been such an incredible community is because that hits a bunch of those buckets, right? Like they give you a coach. Um, I worked with Chris Quirk from Rampersand you know, and I came into that Startmate Fellowship just being like, Chris, I want you to find me an introduction to athletic ventures because that just seems (laughs) like the most dream um, place to work. Uh, And, you know, he helped me do that, but he also helped across many, many other things. And then Startmate is just this incredibly inclusive community in the startup sector in Australia and being surrounded by people that are much, much better than me at, you know, being founders, being investors, being operators in the ecosystem is just the way to get good quickly. So yeah, shout out to Startmate. They've been incredible. Love to go into athletic ventures, particularly the early days in Christy, you were involved. I think you were employee or person number two into into the partnership. And Josh, I'm sure you were there early as well. But Christy, if we start with you, what were those early days like particularly? Because as you touched on earlier, you were transitioning yourself from sport and um, you were building a relationship with Matt and Matt himself was working it out. Can you talk to those first three, six months? Like what were your biggest learnings about creating a group with athletes, but then also learning VC? Yeah, lots to unpack. So the journey of like getting an introduction to Matt and just being like, Matt, I just want to jump on board and help as much as possible. And he was like, well, cool, but it's not nearly as as formal as you think. Like this is not a full-fledged venture capital fund yet. You know, we've made a couple of investments and we're, we're building the plane as we're flying it. So, you know, what that role has looked like being part of Athletic Ventures is thinking, yes, about like what are the investments we're going to make and we have a really interesting model because we you know athletes can add so much value to a startup you know imagine having a hundred athletes with their profiles at your disposal like that's an insane value proposition beyond just investing capital um so we've been lucky to work very closely with a number of the top tier vc funds in australia to share deal flow with them um and that's been like a real competitive advantage for us but then we've also had to do things like it's like hey matt 
we don't have a website. Like nobody actually could Google us if they wanted to. So it's like, okay, let's build a website. And then it's like, okay, well, hey, we've never updated the athletes on like how their investments are going. Like we need to probably start doing that. So you can see like this has grown like very organically and, you know, it's like a credit to Matt for the trust the athletes have had in him to come on board, become investors, become like hugely active members of the Athletic Ventures community, um, you know, and trust that he will, you know, build this and like make, you know, make us comply with all the regulations that happen in the financial space and trust him to bring, you know, great investments and great startups and founders to the group. So, yeah, credit to him. It's been amazing to be on the journey with him and, yeah, many more deals to come, I think. Was there anything about those early days, Christy, that surprised you that you thought you knew how that world worked, but once you immersed yourself, you're like, wow, I actually did not know that and you were very much blown away? I get surprised every day. Um, But (laughs) one of the big things for me is like going in, I thought there'd be much more call for financial analysis Mm. and in the early days, you know, in early stage companies, you barely do any of that. Like in the last six months, I've probably opened Excel to do a spreadsheet twice, you know, and for people looking from the outside in, the probably the misconception is that you're going to do a lot of analysis around the metrics and financials of a company. And the reality is this is a much more relationship-based business and it's building that connection with the founder and trusting that person and their vision and that they can execute on it and build it over the coming decade. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's super interesting. And I think even for myself, I always felt VC was like investment banking and the more I've gotten to know it, it actually is a very different world to investment banking. Josh, maybe a, a slight slanted question for you is around founders. Um, assuming you've met founders through Athletic and, and um, through your other work as well, what have you learned about like being a good investor to founders? Like you hear a lot about the best investors are the ones that have a service mindset and are willing to roll their sleeves up and help founders compared to sitting in their offices and being where the investor come to us. What have you learned about that founder relationship and, and what do you, what do you think is important there if you put your investor hat on? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's a good way of putting it in the sense that the, the venture or the, the investor is there to serve the startup and the founder, um, which sometimes I think maybe people can think it goes the other way, but, um, it certainly doesn't. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're still, I guess, finding our way. I guess, as as Christy mentioned, like the premise, we, we probably figured out pretty early on that like we had a very, as a AV, we had a very differentiated, like a genuine differentiated source of capital, um, and you know that that's that's certainly, I guess, a, a potential value add for founders and startups. But I guess uh, the last two years is is been about finding how we do that best and. The, the word um, Christy used, which I thought was really important, was trust, like um, the, the risk that probably Athletic Ventures could have um, fallen into is is going too fast and, um, you know, getting over a ski, so to speak. And um, thankfully, you know, hats off to Matt and a, and a few people that we've got around us that have been really um, influential in, and I guess keeping um, every uh, like us very focused on the, on the deals. And, um, yeah, and I, I think... One thing that we'd be really proud of is if you went and asked all the founders that we've been involved in, I think they would all speak pretty highly. There was some, some we've had more relationship and, and, and value add, so to speak, than others, sure. But I think as a broad um, sort of view, we've, we've, we've definitely been, um, you know, 
we've been, um, you know, we've worked with founders and, 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 and got good relationships. And, and as I said, I think we are still figuring out exactly, like we've got a really good cohort of athletes that are keen and, um, you know, they're influential, that people care what they do. They've got followers. Um, and, yeah, and, and I guess the next phase for Abby is probably really harnessing that. And, and although we've done it, I think there's so much greenfield for us to, to work more closely with founders and, um, and really unlock that that uh, piece of the puzzle, I guess. A couple of the things I'm super excited about um, over the longer term for athletic ventures is uh, first thinking about, you know, the high performance mindset that athletes have and the ability to like build culture and team and helping founders and their teams and their leaders do that. Um, And I also am really excited about as athletes finish their careers on the sporting field, transitioning into working for startups because I just think the athletes have so much to bring like imagine an athlete in a sales role for example like they're so resilient they've been knocked down a thousand times they're really good at dealing with a no and a loss like they'd just be phenomenal in that or imagine an athlete or a coach even like in a a leadership role and you know working with a team like that like athletes can bring so much so over the longer term I'm excited to see that it'd be it'd be cool to double click on both those points Christian, Josh, you mentioned around athlete differentiation and how Athletic Ventures provides value from a cap table perspective. Because one of the points, if you be pessimistic, a founder could look at Athletic and go, it's dumb money, like it's athletes pulling together and putting some money, blunt, I know. What do you what do you say to that? And I know both of you firmly disagree with that, but what do you say to that in terms of if I'm a founder and I come to you or I come to Athletic as a group and I go, you know what, I'm raising a pre-seed and I've got xyz vcs interested in angels how should i be viewing athletic on my cap table and on my learning journey as a startup christy would you like to start yeah i think dumb money is like a horrible term right (laughs) we're we're different and you know we're not going to bring the same value that a traditional vc would bring which might be you know expertise in particular sectors or like connections to many other experts in those sectors we're going to bring something very different so we want to work with founders that are aligned with that you know it's a it's a win-win on both sides it's not just you know the the investor sitting in the power chair and the founder like asking for money you know we want to add value to the founders and we think the founders add value to us as well and we can learn so much from them so what are we really leaning into you know, we're leaning into companies that are in the sports, the health, the consumer space, because that's where athletes have more expertise and have more value to add. Um, You know, if you're a consumer company, your growth basically comes from marketing, right? So having a whole bunch of athletes with their profiles means you could potentially Mm. cut huge chunks of your marketing budget out. Um, If you are in the health or the sports space, you know, you suddenly have a hundred athletes at your disposal that, you know, might test your product, might understand that market really well, might have huge amounts of connections into your target customer base. So yeah, we're leaning into like different strengths and we're looking for founders that need those things and that we can actually help. And um, yeah, we're different. And Josh on that, like, can you share your most recently publicly announced deal and, and why Athletic decided to be involved in that? Yeah. Um, 
That would be Heaps Normal. We, they did their Series A back end of last year. Um, I think we've got Pet Circle now too, right? That's public. Oh, uh, we did Pet Circle as well. Yeah, they were both around the same time. Both, well, both very different businesses at different stages, but I guess both do, um, I guess it's a very complementary fit with AV, both consumer-facing, take heaps normal. I mean, that, that mission around creating a, a non-alcoholic beer and changing, the, I guess, the, the culture around drinking, um, there was obviously a very natural fit there with, with athletes um, and uh yeah so so they, they came to us back after last back end of last year and, and we participated in their um series a and unsurprisingly it was one of the most popular deals with the athletes um i think we we had 30 or 40 athletes come in and um from a dollar point of view it was probably one of the larger deals we've done at series a level at least um but yeah like those the four founders there incredible mission very aligned um and very early on but i think there's plenty of stuff from from an av point of view that we can do to um to um, to, to help there. And, and Pet Circle was a, was a Series C later stage deal. But again, um, consumer facing, virtually every athlete, it feels like, has got a pet. So um, very, um, very on brand for us. And, and um, that came through um, Ed at TDM, who, um, who, who mm-hmm. they, they led their, their Series C. So um, we, we've, we've got a broad range, I guess, of companies. But, um, and, and we do have B2B businesses. But, but as Christy said, I think our sweet spot is, is certainly where we can add the most obvious value is is the b2c businesses um but I, but i think over time i think an important point is i think we're very early on unlocking the value add and and i mean like everything we've done today has been part-time so like matt's still playing footy mm. um up until last year i was playing christy you know has has obviously got to, she's at blackbird now but like everyone has been doing this part-time and i feel like over a five or ten year view like we're literally at the first innings of unlocking um, you know, the power of a syndicate of maybe a couple of hundred athletes, um, you know, spread across the world that are well-networked, um, influential, um, have gone to the top of their own fields. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very early days. I love your point on consumer. I've got a personal interest in that, having spent close to a decade across FMCG and retail. And I think it's particularly interesting in Australia because I think from VC point, it's still getting the credibility it deserves because back to Christie's point earlier, like it doesn't have the high margins and is not a SaaS business where you can just look at the metrics on a, on a one-page email and go, yeah, things are going well. You've got to really roll your sleeves up and be involved. Um, Christy, maybe if we touch on some of the sectors at, uh, Athletic like to help and feel they can help, both of you mentioned consumer, but within that, are there certain verticals or certain themes that if a founder is listening to this should reach out to Athletic about? We're pretty broad, probably. I think if you look at what an athlete values and what's going to be mission aligned with us, you know, we're looking for companies that are trying to improve the world, trying to improve the health of people, trying to improve the performance of people. Um, So, you know, it's not going to be tobacco. Um, That's why we're so excited by like Heaps Normal, um, you know, who gives a crap as another example in our portfolio, you know, and then uh, we've got some sports tech companies as well. So I think, you know, we're very much leaning into like, how do we make both the world and human beings better? And that's what we're looking for. And then we're really looking for founders that bring that, let's call it like an athlete mindset, right? Founders who there are many similarities between sports. So athletes are like aiming for a nearly impossible goal, right? I think the the odds of making the Olympics are lower than the odds of winning the lottery. So you're shooting for something that's like 
very low probability of success and so are startup founders and you need that sort of like unreasonable belief in yourself and your mission. So we're looking for that. We're looking for founders that like love to learn. Um, We're looking for founders that are super resilient because that journey is not going to be easy, much like, you know, an athlete's journey is going to be peppered with many losses and disappointments. So as a founders, so that's probably some of the things that we're looking for. There's, you know, I think what draws athletes to founders is many of the similarities in the journeys that they walk. And hopefully we can add some understanding and empathy and value to those founders as well. We've got a couple of minutes left, so maybe we'll close out with a quick rapid fire round. And and Josh, if we start with you, if a founder's listening to this and they go, great, I love what Christy and Josh are talking about and I want to reach out, do you have a steer for them on what they should reach out with? Because I think every investor sort of has their own slant on it. Like, do you like them to send you a pitch deck or should it just be a quick email or should they try and get a warm intro? What's their preference for Athletic? Yeah, um, so maybe just easy to sort of give our MO. Like we, we do focus on Series A. We, we have been very disciplined in not going any earlier than that. Um, that, that's just the, the formula that that's, has worked for us. We'd rather do less deals, but have them, I guess, in a slightly lower risk category. Um, so sort of typically, you know, sort of a million dollars of, of ARR, but, you know, that's not a hard and fast rule, but really we're, we're looking for, we're not looking to be the first check-in at this point, just given that um, we're still on a journey ourselves, I guess. Mm. And we, we are, I guess, sec- sector agnostic. So don't, don't, don't let, the sector um, be a deterrent in any way, and and yeah, easiest way is just to, to reach out. We've got the website that you can that you can um, email through or contact through with a deck, and um, we we typically like to co-invest. We're not going to be like leading rounds or anything like that. So we we're always looking to co-invest alongside really top tier VCs. Um, typically, we'll have a relationship with the VC. Um, and we can sort of piggyback on that, and that, that's really been our mo. But like, as I said, we're we're we'll talk to so many founders because we're going through a, a journey ourselves, and we're never we, we want to speak to as many founders and learn about um, you know different opportunities, different businesses, different industries ourselves. So certainly the door is is wide open at AV. That's the finish line, unfortunately. But thank you so much to both of you for joining me. And it's clear that if people want to reach out, either for investment through athletic or if they want to reach out to either of you for for advice on on vc or startups or about your journey i'm sure either of you are willing to chat and they can reach out via linkedin or email but wish you both best all the best and keep in touch awesome thanks for that cheers cheers mate i hope you've taken away some valuable insights from this conversation to apply to your lives and continue to be one percent better every day And stay tuned for the next episode in this Curiosity series where we take you inside another topic, company or industry.